All right, good morning, kids. You have a great day in your class. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 22. 1 Kings chapter 22. If we haven't met yet, I know that's great. There's a lot of people here in the room that are, that are new. Uh, I'm Chris. I uh, work with the student ministry here at the church and play a little drums. And on occasion, I get the privilege to open God's Word uh, with y'all here which I'm very excited about doing this morning. Um, I'll be honest, we have an absolute whale of a story uh, to read and learn about this morning. So uh, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you know that we're, 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 we're walking through 1 Kings and we're, we're following this unfolding drama that is, that is happening between Ahab, the king of Israel, and the prophet Elijah. And we're actually, we're pressing pause on Elijah today. Don't worry, we'll get back to him. But we meet a couple of new characters along the way, and we just can't get rid of Ahab, King Ahab. Now, it's true, Ahab's wife uh, Jezebel is probably more famous or infamous than he is. But you know you're doing something wrong when this is what the Bible says about you. Quote, talking about Ahab. He did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. What a legacy. I'm sure his mother is proud of him. That's not what you want to be known for. But here we are. You know, Warren Buffett uh, famously said, It's good to learn from your mistakes. It's better to learn from other people's mistakes. And that's what we're doing here this morning. That's what... That's what Ahab is going to mean for us today. My goal this morning is to not only try to convince you to not be like Ahab, but to spur us on to love the truth. The truth about who God is and what it means, what that means for us. Because I think we'll see that, that what it means for us is not that much different than what it meant to Ahab all those years ago. So let's get after it. 1 Kings chapter 22, starting in... Verse 1, if I can find it. There we go. For three years, Samaria, no, for three years, Syria and Israel continued without war. But in the third year, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? And we keep quiet and do not take it out of the hand of the king of Syria? And he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to battle at Ramoth-Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Inquire first for the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go to battle against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah the son of Imlah, but I hate him. For he never prophesies good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. 
So, like I said, we meet a couple of new characters here. We, we were introduced here to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. And sadly, he's kind of an afterthought in this story, other than helping set everything up. Uh, just a little history. Jehoshaphat is actually subservient to, to Ahab in Israel. Um, and they're, they're really, uh, they, they fought lots of wars against each other. But for the sake of our story here, in this, in this time period, they're actually kind of frenemies. They're not, they're, they're, they're kind of allies. They can agree on almost just one thing, and that's they both don't like Syria. And so they're kind of, they're kind of uh, compromising their values to join together to try to take back uh, Ramoth Gilead, which belonged to their ancestors. And Jehoshaphat actually has some pretty good advice here. Hey, let's see what God has to say. And Ahab surprisingly agrees. I mean, and ah the Ahab agrees to, to check out and see what God has to say. It's a, little, it's a little surprising. Step in the right direction, right? Wrong, actually. We read in verse 6 that Ahab gathers 400 prophets. Now, these are probably the 400 prophets of the goddess Asherah that Jezebel supports. Remember back in chapter 18, verse 19, Elijah, he wants all the prophets of Baal and, and Asherah to come to the big showdown at Mount Carmel. But only the 450 prophets of Baal show up, and it, and it goes poorly for them, if you'll remember. So now you have these 400 prophets who are still around, still serving the king and his wife, and then there's Micaiah, and this dude's different. Now, to his credit, Jehoshaphat, he, he kind of sees through this, and, 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 he, and he, he sees these 400 prophets just giving lip service to Ahab, and he basically says, is there not any real prophet of the Lord we can ask? In verse 8, if you're, if you're reading along, is so revealing of Ahab's character. He says, there is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, but I hate him. For he never prophesies good concerning me, but evil. I don't like what he says, so I hate him. How many of you know who this is? Show the picture, please. Did anybody know? Thank you for not, don't, don't say it out loud. We don't talk about it, right? We don't. There's really only two types of people in the room, okay? Those of you who are a little confused right now, and those of you like me who have seen this 500 times over the last two months. There's really no in-between. This guy is from the, the Disney movie Encanto, which is basically the movie, the soundtrack to 2022 so far, especially if you have kids. For those of you who haven't seen this movie, this is... This is Bruno, and we don't talk about Bruno. That's the rule. That's what the characters in the story are emphatic about, especially at the beginning. And the song, which you just heard a, a snippet of, We Don't Talk About Bruno, written by uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, the guy who wrote Hamilton and the music to Moana, among other things. This, this song has actually broken the record for the most popular Disney song of all time which is crazy to think about considering 
let it go just a few years ago. And not to mention like all the, you know, all the amazing Disney songs from like the 90s and stuff. It's impressive. It's probably because of how catchy that thing is. But what's the big deal about this song? Why don't they talk about Bruno? What's he done to deserve being ostracized like he has in Encanto? So these are spoilers. I'm going to assume that if you haven't seen this movie yet, you guys be quiet back there. You're probably not going to be too upset about this. So I'm just going to go on. In the story, Bruno has the gift of having visions to be able to see certain aspects of the, the, the future, not unlike the prophets in the Old Testament, like, like Elijah. And Bruno finds, just like Elijah and so many others, that having access to this kind of information, telling the truth, basically, doesn't make you a very popular person. It's less of a gift and more of a curse. So Bruno basically decides to, to check out and, and leave his family. He thinks that, you know, if I don't share these visions, and then people won't get mad at him. And his family, unfortunately, just goes right along with it. They pretend like he and his visions just don't exist. We don't talk about Bruno. You may have someone in your family like this. If you don't know who that person is, it might be you. But he's misunderstood. And when he says things that people don't like to hear, it causes conflict. It's easier to just pretend he's not around, sweep him under the rug, which is exactly what Ahab, King Ahab, is doing with Micaiah. But Jehoshaphat talks him into it. So let's keep going. Hang with me. You don't want to miss any of this. We're picking up here in verse 9. Then the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, Bring quickly Micaiah the son of Imlah. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat the king of Judah were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes, at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. And Zedekiah the son of Shenanah made for himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so and said, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. And the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the words of one of them and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives... What the Lord says to me, that I will speak. And when he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? And he, Micaiah, answered him, go up and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he, Micaiah, said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? 
Can you feel the tension in that room? It's unbelievable. This is not the first time that Ahab has been less than unimpressed with the message that Micaiah has brought him. Apparently this has happened enough that Ahab can tell even that, that when Micaiah first brings this good news, that, that it's not true. This will be the last time that I say this this morning, but man, I wish we knew more about Micaiah. I wish we knew why he said what he did in verse 15. Because right before that, he swears he'll only say what God tells him to say. So was he scared to tell the truth? He should have been. Was he just overfooling with this crazy king who he know didn't really want to hear what he had to say anyways? Maybe. The story doesn't say. But this highlights a very important point that we can't miss. And that's that, that Ahab knows this guy. They have a relationship. He knows his character compared to the, the 400 yes men that he has in front of him. These so-called prophets that tell him only what he wants to hear. Ahab's a, Ahab's a smart guy. You don't stay king for as long as he did without being ruthlessly cunning. I think he knew a fake when he saw one. And you know what? I think he preferred fakes to the real thing. More on that in a minute. Let's keep going, starting in, picking up here in verse 19. And Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing before him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one said one thing, and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And, and he said, God said, You are to entice him, and you, shall be, and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. Then Zedekiah, the son of Shanana, came near and, and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, How did the Spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Behold, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide yourself. And the king of Israel said, Seize Micaiah and take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him meager rations of bread and water until I come in peace. And Micaiah said, If you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Hear, all you peoples. Don't tell me the Bible's boring. I can't stand it when I hear people say that. If the hair didn't stand up on the back of your neck right then, you might need to go get checked. You may have a health problem. It's odd, isn't it? Isn't it odd how the Lord will teach us through a story that happened three, 4,000 years ago? Here we have two men, Ahab and Micaiah, the, the king and the prophet, each about to meet a, a tragic and familiar end to their lives, but both going in completely different directions. 
between these two men, and the reason for their conflict is the truth. We're going to spend the rest of our time this morning talking about what we can learn from these two guys. The, two simple lessons, I think. I, I mean, I'm just breaking it down into two. I, I like it simple. Two things. Two big points. One, don't be afraid to hear the truth. And two, don't be afraid to tell it. Now, truth is a complicated thing. It really is. I am tall. And God is real are both true statements. The one is relative and the other isn't. Meaning, I don't know, there may be someone in here taller than me. Jimmy is close. You're not, Ethan. Put your hand down. But there are some people that are taller than me, you know. Now they may, those people are in the NBA, so they're not here to, you know, have a height comparison. I'm joking, obviously. But I'm not tall to everybody. But God is real, has no qualifiers. That is just true. That's the ultimate reality. Whether you believe it or not, it's true. It's the ultimate truth. Even the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to save sinners and died in our place, doing for us what we can't do for ourselves, that is below, in a sense, that God exists. The gospel is true because God is true. Because God created all things, everything true belongs to him. Big things and small things. That's why uh, you shall not lie is in the Ten Commandments. Truth means everything true. Little truths and big truths. The opposite of deception. But for our purpose in our conversation this morning, when I say truth, I'm going to be talking about Big Truths, capital T Truths, about God and us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says, this is Paul, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. What is wisdom? What is discernment, if not the ability to recognize and value the truth? It's a controversial thing to say these days, even, that, that truth is real and that we have to reckon with it. Jesus said in John 8 that if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want, the, I want to know the truth that will set me free. At least I think that's what I want. How about you? Do you want the truth or just whatever's convenient? Do you, do you value the truth or what's easy? I've already used the movie reference in this sermon, so I can't mention The Matrix, and I, I can't mention... In detail, Jack Nicholson screaming, you can't handle the truth at Tom Cruise, though I want to. But it's a, it's a theme in our lives that we have to wrestle with. Willful ignorance is a real thing, and I'm just as guilty as anyone. The human heart has a black belt in denying the truth. It's a defense mechanism. 
It's our ironic attempt at self-preservation because oftentimes, if we're honest, the truth is too much for us. We convince ourselves that we can't handle the truth, and there are consequences for that. I won't connect with my wife because it'll reveal too much pride in my own life. I won't pray with my kids because they'll just remind me of how much of a hypocrite I am. I won't respect my husband because I can't even respect myself. Lies of the enemy meant to steal, kill, and destroy. Because we'd rather not deal with the truth. In my military job as a, as a chaplain, I get access every so often to these intelligence briefings about the war in Ukraine. Um, just slightly more detailed than you'd, you'd see on the news. Nothing crazy. And I hate it, to be honest, because I know there's nothing anyone's going to do about it. And selfishly, I'd rather not know how many innocent Ukrainian civilians have been killed so far. I'd rather, I wish I didn't know how many young men Russia's lost and how many more they have just waiting to go. I wish I didn't know. But I do. Ahab was the same way. He was afraid to hear the truth. He knew that the, the, the decisions he made, his very existence as king, was in opposition to God's plan. He'd seen the power of God at work. It's why it's so hard for me to understand how he is, how he is. He was at Mount Carmel. He saw, he saw God work through Elijah. He knew Micaiah was a true prophet who spoke God's words. He knew the truth, and he didn't care. He didn't want to hear it. Why? How? Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. See how, because Jesus loved this, 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 this rich young man, he tells him the truth. And the truth, the truth that will set you free, the truth that will give us eternal life is that temporary wealth, happiness, safety, power, influence, you name it, all the things that we, that are, some of them are, are good things that we love, those things cannot be compared to the value of knowing God through our Lord Jesus Christ. To know God, to really know Him is to love Him more than those things. It's not what this rich young man wanted to hear. It's not what Ahab wanted to hear. 
It's not what we want to hear either, if we're being honest. We're, may, we're way more like Ahab than we want to admit. Ahab, he only cared about himself and, and, and his little world. Now, now, now. More, more, more. Anything that jeopardized his pursuit of pleasure in the here and now, he didn't want anything to do with. God and his rules didn't fit into his kingdom. Consequences? Psh. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about consequences. Friends, let it, let it never be said of us that we're afraid to hear the truth. Isn't God's truth a, a double-edged sword? Nothing can cut you down to size and at the same time lift you up like the truth. I love how Tim Keller says that. I, I've got a quote of his here. He says, uh, the gospel is this. He says, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared hope, dared believe. Yet at the same time, more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. The truth hurts, and thank goodness for it. I've walked out of this room feeling like I've been hit by a hammer more times than I can count. But that's not the whole truth. And praise God for that. I've got bad news. I'm a sinner. So are you. But the bad news is what makes the good news the good news. And there's good news. That's the truth. Friends, don't try to hide from God. Don't keep running from Him. The good news is true. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's from John 14, verse 6. Until you come face to face with the truth of your brokenness and your need, you won't, you won't love the truth. You won't love the truth of his grace and his forgiveness. Don't live in denial. Don't be afraid to hear the truth. And secondly, don't be afraid to tell the truth. As we shift our focus a little bit from Ahab and consider what it cost Micaiah for speaking the truth, my heart just breaks for this guy. If, like we talked about last week, if Elijah struggled with how God's plan was unfolding around him, then think what Micaiah must be thinking right now. He stands alone against the, the pressure of, you know, 400 prophets, two kings, and he speaks God's words. You can't really ask any more of a prophet than that. And what does he get? He gets chucked in jail on meager rations until the king comes back. And guess what? I don't know if you've peeked ahead a little bit. The king doesn't come back. And Micaiah knows that. There's no reason to think that Micaiah survives the downfall of Ahab, that he prophesied. He knows this, this truth bomb will essentially seal his fate, and he does it anyway. It's a sobering reality that the truth is dangerous, both to those who hate it and to those who speak it. Micaiah wasn't the first prophet to die, and he wasn't the last. What did they know that, it, that it enabled them to be so bold? They knew the truth. The truth that because God is real and because He is who He is, it's better 
to be obedient and endure a little persecution than to miss out on the reward. Like David says in the Psalms, you made known to me the path of life, the truth. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Like we sang, there's nothing better than you. Micaiah had the truth made known to him and he knew that what was coming was better. Self-preservation wasn't a valid reason for not telling the truth, even though it cost him his life. It could probably be said, I think, that not long ago, telling the truth would, it might not make you many friends, but you would at least be respected, maybe even appreciated for it. I don't think that's the case anymore. Like I said earlier, just believing that truth exists is controversial today. Some of us here may be called to lose something precious for the sake of telling the truth. Maybe even our lives like Micaiah and so many others. I think of our, I think of our kids in, the, in, our, in our classes right now. And I wonder what kind of opposition to the truth they'll face. For the sake of, of our children and, and for a hundred other reasons, now is the time to decide if we're going to stand for the truth or not. Not when we're in front of kings and prophets. Jesus promised us already. We don't have to wonder whether it's going to be popular or not. It won't. The world has lost its grasp on the truth that's but that's nothing new paul says in first timothy chapter 4 verse 3 the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but having itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own likings and will turn away from listening to the truth sounds like ahab right sounds like our our culture too The truth that that Paul's talking about here is the same as it was for Ahab and the same for us today. There is one true God who created all things. Your ears can itch all day long. You can believe whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can live however you want. But it doesn't change the fact that He exists and His holy standards will be met either by reconciliation or punishment. That's the, that's the judgment that awaits each one of us. Each person has to answer the question, is it by Christ's merit or my own? Will I stand before God one day? Ahab has made his choice by the time we meet Micaiah here in 1 Kings 22. He was no longer interested in following the Lord. We don't talk about Micaiah. And so Micaiah had to deliver the hardest truth there is that the Lord has declared disaster on you, he tells Ahab. The Lord has declared disaster on you. We, we get the opportunity to bring that same urgency to a struggling world, but with the truth of the hope of Jesus. If we don't speak it, how will they know? You know, I wonder a lot of times when I see things in the news or elsewhere that, that make me think this world is just spiraling out of control. 
I ask myself, where do you stand? Where do you, where do you, what hill do you die on? Where's my moment before the king? And you may not get a platform like Micaiah or Elijah, but you have a family. I'm talking to myself. I have a family. I have friends. I have neighbors and coworkers. Sharing the truth with them is not very often a speech or a sermon. It's certainly not a waving a sign and screaming at people. But it most certainly can be little acts of kindness, consistent, intentional care, treating others better than yourself, ready, of course, at all times to give account for the hope you have, speaking the truth in love. You know, b- before we sing again um, and close our time this morning, real quick, I want to address the elephant in the room of what we've read today. Uh, Micaiah's prophecy to Ahab includes more than just a pronouncement of, of judgment. There's only a couple times in the Bible where the curtain is pulled back, so to speak, and we just, we get to see things we're just not meant to see. I think this is one of those, one of those times where we see a glimpse of God in heaven orchestrating his will, basically. And it's fascinating. It's terrifying. Who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And it's just like we see in the book of Job, angels and demons reporting to God their goings and comings on earth. Because of time... I can't, even, I can't even get into this. I can't, you could, it's another sermon or three or four, quite honestly. But suffice it to say, it's, bec- it's supposed to shock us what Micaiah describes in heaven. Like it should have shocked Ahab and the prophets back then. But make no mistake about its meaning. God's sovereignty extends even to the very deceptions that wreak havoc in our lives. The lies we tell and the lies we believe are the enemy influencing us, but nothing is outside God's control. He's not the author of it, but he's able to redeem it and use it for his purpose. Like Joseph in Egypt, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. This morning, if your hope is in anything else but Jesus, if you're running from the truth, if you're believing lies, the truth is God loves you. You're not here on a whim. You're here for a reason. He's made a way for us to know him. Don't leave here this morning without knowing the truth. We pray with me. Dear Lord, we're so grateful this morning that we can, we can say with confidence that we have truth. Truth is in a book that we can read and we can know. You. We can know you. 
What a miracle it is. God, there are so many things that we, that we let distract us. So many lies that would, that would tempt to, to stray us, pull our hearts in other directions. My mind, even now, is just, it's just flooded by the things that, that, in my own life, I'm so tempted to make into idols. I'm so tempted to live as if they're, they're better. These temporary things, good things, many of them. But nothing is better than you. Nothing is better than you. God, please help us to, to not be like Ahab and go so far down that direction that we, that we, we can't even turn back time and time again hearing the truth and just not wanting to hear it just denying it while there's breath in our lungs God there's hope remind us of that truth even when it it feels so bleak when we feel like there's no there's no chance that you could love us remind us of the goodness of your gospel and even now as we sing would we praise you for who you are and what you've done Pray for everyone in this in this old warehouse right now. That not a single one of us would leave without knowing the truth of who you are, how much you love us, what you've done for us, and the hope that we have because of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would stand with us. Thank mm-hmm. you.